Welcome to Mind Over Matter with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. I share stories of insight, personal experience, ways in which I and others have overcome obstacles, and the importance of perseverance. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am thrilled to have you here on my podcast, tuning in weekly as I share two episodes with you. My goal through this podcast is to inspire and empower as well as motivate you to move forward in life. I also provide one-on-one coaching, so if that's something you're interested in, listen all the way to the end for ways to connect with me. Welcome to episode number 179. This week's guest is sharing with you how to turn your mess into your message. Welcome to this week's podcast interview. I brought on Adam Baca. Adam, welcome. Thanks. Give us a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? So I live in Westminster, Colorado, um, and I do a few things, but mainly I'm a transformation coach. Um, So similar to what you do, um, at least what it sounds like, um, you know, talk about identity with people. We talk about, you know, sometimes traumas, things that they've, you know, still working through in their life. But ultimately what I do is actually help people build a relationship with their health and their fitness um, and so they can build that relationship with themselves. Right. And I think that with, with humans, we've gotten so far away with the relationship with ourselves and especially with nature, which is health. Um, you know, that's where I try and bridge that gap and have people actually go back to, you know, again, taking care of themselves, um, teaching them how to think, right. Um, teaching them the principles of being kind of a human, um, which we were never taught in high school, elementary school. And now as adults, a lot of us are trying to figure that out. You know, what am I supposed to be doing for myself? How do I take care of my heart? How do I take care of my mind? Um, and then two, if I want to make a transformation in my body and my health, how does that happen? So that's, that's ultimately what I do. Um, and then I also speak. Um, like this weekend, I was actually at uh, the National Leadership Academy, which is a high school leadership academy here in Denver. Um, so I've been doing that for the past seven years. Um, <clears throat> so I speak to high school kids, middle school kids. Um, talking about a nonprofit that I started back when I was 17 called A Day Without Hate. And uh, with that, we, we basically have a, um, a nonprofit that is a movement. It's a student-led grassroots movement. And uh, we've we built that from kind of the um, ashes of Virginia Tech back in 2007. And so we have a school culture program. Um, so I speak about love and peace and kindness um, and how to create a culture in your school that's healthy. Um, yeah. Well, you touched on many things, and so I have a couple notes to ask you questions mm-hmm. for follow-up. But I think something you yeah. really touched on that is so important mm-hmm. is the self-care aspect. And I think what I have found, my experience, women tend to, you know, self-care is like their last priority. And I try to preach that self-care is necessary. It's not selfish. Yeah. And Absolutely. it's the whole, you got to fill up your own cup before you're able to help others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But so this kind of background, how did you even get started? What happened in your life that brought you to starting a day without hate and wanting to transform others? Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, everyone has their story, which is, which is amazing. And, you know, my story kind of goes back to when I was you know, a little kid, grew up in a normal family, um, up until a point where my mom started to abuse alcohol. She became an alcoholic. Um, both my parents went in and out of drug rehab for a long time. Um, and, uh, and there was a point too, where I was, a um, you know, a little baby. And, um, I just remember actually it was, it was funny because I remember telling my mom when I was about four years old, um, in the backseat of her car, 
and we were listening to the radio. And for some reason I was like three or four. And I told my mom, I was like, Hey, you know, I feel like I actually told her, I was like, mom, I, when I was in your, in you, I swam up and I fixed your heart. And so she was like, what are you talking about? And so, um, I told her, I was like, I swam up and I fixed your heart. It was broken. And this is kind of coming from, again, traumas and people's story. So with that, um, my parents kind of, they went through a lot of turbulence in their relationship for a long time. Again, there was drugs involved. Um, there was infidelity involved. There was a lot of arguments when I was growing up. Um, and it wasn't that safe of an environment, at least emotionally. So I told her that, right. And I told her, swim up and I fixed your broken heart. And so she started to cry and she's like, you know, she told me later on about three years ago, this story. And she said, at that time, you were actually, um, you were actually a surprise in the relationship, right? I was a surprise baby. But when I actually was born, I had the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck as if I actually swam up and fixed your heart. I came out blue, right? So I was like a Smurf baby. But she said at that time when, you know, when the relationship, when I was actually in the womb, that they were going through a point where they're about to get divorced. Everything was, was falling apart. And for some reason, at that time, right before I was born, everything started to get good again. Everything in the relationship started to, you know, um, become better. And so she believed that I actually swam up and did that. Um, so, you know, didn't grow up in the safest environment at all. Um, and then, you know, as I was growing up, I, I always wanted to achieve and always wanted to, you know, try and show my dad I was worthy. Um, cause there's a backstory with that of not being good enough for my dad. So, um, yeah, so I achieved my entire life trying to get the next, you know, medal or trying to do the next sport, trying to get the next, you know, trophy. And then, um, in high school, I was a golfer and, you know, basically put all my attention to golf, became a two time, um, you know, all state, all conference golfer in high school, um, had all these scholarships going for me and things like that. Um, and everyone knew me for playing golf. And there was a point where I started to look at the game a lot differently because I started to see that the game of golf was a selfish sport. And for me, at that time in high school, I was, I was in depression. I was in a two-and-a-half-year depression that nobody knew about. And uh, you know, I was just telling my kids in that academy this last weekend that no one asked me or they, che- they didn't check in. They didn't ask me, Adam, how are you? Right? Because I'd put on this mask and I'd go play golf and I'd, just, I'd spend literally like 12 hours a day playing golf every single day to go and hide from my problems at home. Um, and so I got really, really good at golf, but also in the inside, I was dead and no one knew that. So for two and a half years, I was depressed. Um, so it came up to a point where I was like, okay, do I want to play golf? Is this important to my life? Is it actually adding value to anybody's life? And is it really, is it helping me become a, a better person or even happy person? And I uh, got to a point where I was like, this game isn't helping anybody. Like if I go and, you know, shoot a 72, like no one's life is better and I'm, I'm not any happier. But there was a point where I started to actually look and I was like, my parents aren't happy. So what are they not doing? How can I actually not, not be like them? Um, which is kind of a weird place to learn from. But sometimes we learn from my parents of what not to do. And so I started to look at, well, they're not taking care of themselves, right? They're not eating the right foods. They're not taking care of their bodies or their minds. They don't know how to do that yet as adults. So I was 17. I was like, well, what if I were to start to lift weights and and eat the right foods? Would that make a difference? And so that's where the transition for me started to happen. I started to split from my focus being on golf to health and fitness. And I soon noticed that my depression went away, right? I came out of my funk, came out of the kind of the fog of, of my life because I started taking care of myself again, you know? So, so with that, um, all those scholarships went away. 
stopped practicing golf and literally transitioned right into health and fitness. Um, and I was like, this is important. This is the most important thing because again, seeing my parents go through all their, all of their mess, um, and just, you know, suffering unneededly. I was like, this is important to learn. And so that's where my obsession started was at 17. So about 13 years ago, and I have not stopped. I have not stopped learning about the body, about the mind, about the heart, um, deeper questions about life. And that's where it took over for me was the health and fitness was the most important aspect that I was missing. Well, I have questions back to your golf days. Do you believe Mm -hmm. golf was, were you numbing out? Like it at least gave you focus and something to do, but it wasn't fulfilling? You you know, um, yes and no. Um, It was for sure. It was, it was an unhealthy relationship. I would say I had with golf because I loved golf, but at the same time I became so obsessed with it that again, that was everything in my life. I didn't have anything else going on in my life. That was the only thing. Um, I would study it. I would read books on it. I would watch videos. I was studying Tiger Woods. I was out in, I was out in the golf course in the snow, right? Playing golf, practicing, because that was where it was unhealthy because obviously that's not a normal thing to do. Playing golf, all right, in the snow. But um, it, was, it was me trying not to be at home. I was trying to get out of the house as much as I could because my parents were fighting. And I was like the peacemaker. I was always trying to make sure that everyone's okay, right? Make sure my dad's okay. Make sure my mom's okay. But there was a point where I'm like, I need to get out. And that golf, yeah, that was a coping that like I can go out and, and forget about it, put my headphones in, listen to music and hit a thousand balls. So there, there was an unhealthy relationship with it, even though I loved it. So golf was your outlet, but it also became an obsession. And is that where mm-hmm. maybe you realized, was it about creating balance in your life? What was it? Were you mm-hmm. not eating? I mean, to be playing that much golf, how were you not taking care of your health? Yeah. So, uh, so I was eating basically McDonald's every single day, uh-huh. uh, which is, yeah, it's disgusting. And that's, that's where I had no idea that nutrition actually had an impact on my mental health or my body, right? I was 130 pounds in high school. I was tiny. Um, and same height, I was about 5'8", 130 pounds. Um, but I was eating McDonald's every single day, just thinking that calories were the game of, if I, you know, all I have to do is just get enough calories in, you know, eating Cocoa Puffs and stuff still in high school. Like eating a really, really standard diet, but a horrible diet, as we know. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a numbing, but it was also just like, you know, um, I started just realize like this model that I'm doing, the over obsessing about golf, um, not being a normal high school kid come junior year, everything changed for me. June, the, the summer from junior year and his senior year was when I started to make that shift of lifting weights, of hanging out with different people, of starting to really ask those questions of, am I actually living right now? Because I'm depressed and maybe I'm just like hiding. And that's where I started to actually come out of my box and, and drop the mask and started to live completely differently. And I decided, what do I have to do to make me happy? I have to start to eat better foods. What are those? Started reading books, started learning about it. I have to start moving my body differently. But also I, I did realize golf isn't everything. And I made it everything and it's not helping my life. So what if I were to take that back a little bit and start to go, go to the parties and hang out with people? Started to go to the football games, right? And, uh, and there was a, a point too where... Um, you know, it was two and a half years. I was depressed all the way to junior year. And then my senior year, I came alive and my, 
my uh, English teacher actually wrote my, my yearbook. He said, Adam, I have never seen anyone so passionate about life than you. Right. He wrote that in my yearbook because he saw the transition happening from junior to senior year. I was a dude that was walking through the hallways, headphones on, eyes down. And, and people liked me, but I just didn't really put myself out there. I was hiding. Senior year, I was the one that literally got the school spirit back. I was the one paint my face half blue, half green, took my shirt off, painted it all blue, had you know, a few friends do it with me. I was running up and down the sidelines, getting the wave going into the football games, um, going to the volleyball games, the basketball games. I was the one that I was like the hype man. Right. So people were like, dude, are you going to the football game now? Right. So I started to come out and started to live. And it was like a choice of, okay, maybe this isn't so important. And actually, what if, what if me living and actually getting to know other people and letting them get to know me was actually a better thing? And that's where everything changed for me. That's what I wanted to ask. What masks yeah. were you removing? And it sounds like maybe just mm-hmm. being vulnerable, opening your heart to like let people mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Um, the a- athlete mask, you know, as Lewis Howes and the mask of masculinity, the athlete mask, big time. I needed to drop that. Um, trying to, be, you know, and, and a big one of just trying to be good enough. You know, that was a scary thing for me because I was, I was a top five golfer in the state of Colorado at a young age, uh, sophomore year, you know, colleges were already looking at me and offering scholarships. Oh. A lot of people were like, if anybody in the school is going to be famous, it's going to be Adam because he's going to make the PGA tour. Right. I was known for being that guy that was like, dude, like you're good. Right. And so that was the achiever mindset of, I have to achieve to receive love. And there's the point where I'm like, I have to let this go. Right. I, cause again, it wasn't important to me. It was important to my family at that point of me being the achiever. And so I had to take that, that decision of like, if it's not important to me, what's going to make me happy being around people. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was over obsession and, um, and it was a good thing. There's a lot of lessons learned, but you know, ultimately transition into let's take a break from this. Cause it's always going to be there. I can go back to it, you know, yeah. but it's not, it's not that important. It's not fulfilling to me right now. So I dropped everything. I lost scholarships and everything. But it sounds like, and and what you shared is you were always achieving, seeking love because you thought that was the only way to get attention. And once you're able to let that go and you Mm -hmm. turned to, it sounds like connection was important to you. Yes. Relationships. Mm -hmm. Yep. Connect, connection, love. Those are, those are, I mean, my top needs for sure. You know? And, and that's too where it, where it carries over into the stories of being there for the, for the 12 kids that met after school. And we, when we accidentally, um, but on purpose, we created day, day with a hate was I wanted to show up for other people, right? Cause Virginia tech happened April 16th, 2007. My teacher walked in the room and asked what's happening in the world. Right. And, I, and at that point I was already a different person. I was, had a different mindset, different heart space at that point. I was able to actually give like, again, you know, the cup was, was a little bit more full. I was able to help other people. So I walked into the class and he asked that question and then said, I'm going to meet after school. Who wants to meet? And I just knew in my heart I had to be there because I had to, I had to show up for other people because other people needed me to be there. So that's where it was created, a two-hour conversation after school with, with me, 11 friends, and a teacher. But we were just trying to help each other. We were trying to support each other, what was going on in our hearts and our minds from that school shooting. So it wouldn't have happened, I don't think, if I wouldn't have started to fill my own cup up, you know, and again, kind of drop off of like the obsessions and start to build that relationship with me and other people. 
So something else that just came to mind, you Mm -hmm. lost your identity because if you were this stellar golf player, Mm -hmm. you were going to, you know, become some big shot. You Mm -hmm. completely lost that identity. And some people that, I mean, they couldn't do that. So how did you do that? Yeah, it was. And I didn't notice that until, you know, probably a couple of years afterwards, but I, I completely shattered it. Um, because again, every single person in my life knew me for being an achiever in golf specifically, right? They knew that's my path. That's who I am. That's what I do. And that's what I do very well at. Um, and so again, when I started to make that transition going into senior year of I'm going to be a different person, that was the hard thing. Because also it was a very freeing thing because I knew that again, for me, what was important was how do I, how do I spend time with people that matters? Because a golf is a very selfish game, right? It's a very selfish game. It's me versus me. You know, it's me out there hitting a white ball, you know, and it's a, it's a one player sport. It's not a team sport. And I, and I loved team sports growing up because I got to help other people. I got to see in, in their eyes, like, Hey, we won instead of just me, you know, it was kind of a weird feeling of like, Oh, I won great. But like no one else can really celebrate with me. Um, so yeah, I did lose that identity of like, I was a golfer. I had all this stuff set up, you know, the, again, the scholarships and all that of like, this is the next steps after high school had that figured out. And then all that was gone, lost it all because I stopped practicing senior year. I started hanging out with people going to games. And even my coach was like, he had to pull me aside one time. I was like, yo, like what's happening right now is you're losing everything. You're letting everything slip. And in his eyes, he's like, you're making the biggest mistake of your life right now. You're letting it all go away. You, you, you're the top golfer, right? And then I literally went from the number one golfer on the team to like four or five, right? Because I just stopped practice. And I was like, it's not important to me anymore. It's important to me to be around other people and to really just live my life. And, and, and I couldn't do that. So it was scary, you know, just walking in the unknown and, and trying to recreate, you know, reinvent a new person. So... So something I want to challenge you on, actually, that this whole, because you said a couple times, is that golf Mm -hmm. is a very selfish sport because it's Mm -hmm. you against you. Mm -hmm. But I actually, um, so I ran a marathon a few weeks ago. I'm currently training for a triathlon. And for me, those one-man sports like that, Mm -hmm. I'm the only person I have to rely on. I love the push. I love the challenge. I love competing against who I was yesterday. Mm -hmm. So why do you believe that makes you selfish well is is selfish a bad thing or a good thing right it's like it can be both right so i think that it was bad at that point in my life because i was hiding from people i was hiding from people playing by myself getting in my my own head right and yes like it's i mean we're 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 in this we're in this life and we we really only have ourselves so like this life is a game that we're playing by ourselves in a sense right it's in our own head it's in our own heart um, we don't really have a team. I mean, we can call our family, our team going through life or maybe our spouse or, you know, relationships. That's our team. Um, but with that, with where I was at in the context, it was healthy to a point. And then I was literally just like, well, I'm literally hiding from people because all I can do is put my headphones on and go achieve and go play. Um, and I wasn't handling my stuff inside, even though I was inside all the time, I was just overanalyzing everything. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's not a bad thing, but at that point it wasn't a good thing either for me. So, so maybe from your perspective at that time, it was mm-hmm. by you, you were shutting the world out. Yes. Okay. On, on, yeah. On, on purpose. Cause I didn't want people to know me. 
right? I didn't want them to know what was going on at home. So I just go out in the golf course. Mm. Not many people are out there, especially, you know, the, the times I was spending out there, they weren't going to go, you know, in the snow. So that's where I knew I can escape. No one's going to be there. So then what are your drivers today? What do you, mm. what do you do now? Yeah. Um, people, I mean, people are my drivers. That's, that's again, you know, I was trying to pour from a full cup, um, into other people's cups because a lot of people, they don't realize they have the power to change their lives. Right. Um, students, you know, kids, I love kids. You know, again, I was just this weekend, I was spending, um, three and a half days, um, at a university down here with a hundred high school kids. And, you know, we got supporting these kids because these kids are coming from broken families coming from places of, of depression, of not knowing what to do or who they are. And that was where we were at as staff is that we got to deport these kids. Um, and that's very important for me, just again, with the backstory and the, um, you know, the pain that I went through, I know I can sit there with these kids and really help them kind of uh, work through their mess of this is where I'm at. And I don't know where to go from here. Right. Because again, I was there. That's where it's important for me to help those kids, you know, as much as I can. Um, sharing my story of how we took a, you know, an idea after school and turned it into this national, international movement. But it was an idea that we had that people needed help out there. And if we didn't go help, then they were going to get hurt. And that's where I kind of come from is like, how can I impact people? Whether it's one-on-one, whether it's one-on-ten, you know, one-on-how many. It's like, how can I impact people? So they realize they can change their life. And when they do, they can help impact other people as well. Well, I love what you've done. And and we spoke previously is you turned your quote mess into your message. Mm -hmm. And we all have our story, right? We all have things that we've gone through. And a lot of people in my mind, Mm -hmm. they either hook on to playing victim and that that story is just becomes them or they become a victor, which sounds like that's what you've done. So what advice do you give to somebody? How, How could they turn their mess into a message? Yeah. Um, there's always, there's, there's always these cool ways to flip it of like mess, um, it's message, painting the purpose. Right. And I, and I think that a lot of people understand that it's like, where, where in your life did you actually have the most pain? Because usually in those painful moments, you're going to have the, the biggest breakthroughs, the biggest transformations. Right. And with those transformations, you have the experience, right? Because you're literally coming out of your shell. And with me, I broke my identity, right? I had to break that multiple times through my life. This is who I have to be to receive love. Or this is, this is who I am now. Um, and so with those pains, you do have those transformations. Then you have an experience. Then you can really, you can help people through that, right? You can help people through the same thing, like me with the high school kids. Of like, I know, I know what it's like to be in that family with those kids. I know that. I can help them take those next steps. Um, so, I mean, with, with all of that, it's, it's energy, right? It's literally, it's energy that's built up. And when you make that breakthrough, then you go on to the next and on to the next and on to the next, right? We're always going to be having these, these lessons or these breakthroughs that are trying to break us. But when we break through, that's where the trans- transformation is at. Um, and it's beautiful, but it's also, it's hard. And so that's where I try and help people through is the transition is the most beautiful thing ever, but you need people there. Just like I needed people there too. You know, we all need people there for those painful transformations, um, those painful breakthroughs because on the other side, when we have those people, we get to celebrate, you know, it's, it's a good feeling of like, wow, I made it through. And these people made it through with me. So. Well, and I think the key on that is so many people avoid that thing 
the fear, Mm -hmm. the, the pain, the whatever. And I've learned and read and heard other people's stories, but whatever that, that biggest thing is that you fear go towards it or go through it. Yeah. Because then it no longer owns you. It no longer has the power. Yeah. So I was telling my kids the story of the Buffalo, um, of how they actually, um, how they moved through storms. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, so all animals, right. All animals, when a storm comes, say they're co- the storms coming over the mountains right here. If an animal sees that storm. Logically. I mean, we, we, as humans too, we think that let's just outrun the storm. Um, I'm gonna have to plug my phone in here a sec. Um, but when they see that storm, they run the other way. So the storm's coming this way, they're running this way, right? They're just trying to outrun that storm, right? But your entire life, you're like looking behind, you're like, well, the storm's still there. The storm's still there. Even though you're still moving forward, the storm's always behind you, right? And eventually it'll catch you, right? So you're exhausted when it catches you because you're running away from it. But Buffalo are different. Buffalo look at the storm and they say, oh, it's there. Okay. It's right there. Let's just go through it because the fastest way through anything is going right through. So the Buffalo actually, they face that storm. They, they run into the storm this way. And so they have less time underneath it, but they're just like, it's going to hit us either way. Let's just go through it right now. Boom. And then blue skies on the other side. So I think Buffalo really give us that analogy of like, it's going to hit us at one point. We can't not go through pain and transformation you might as well just go ahead and see it and say, Hey, you know, I accept that. Let's go, let's go through it. And especially too, when you have that, that, that tribe or that herd with you, let's just go through it together. Right. Let's run through that together. So we need a, we need to create more buffaloes. I think I've actually, I've heard that story before and I I don't tend to retell stories that great, Mm -hmm. but maybe I can now that I've heard it twice but I Mm -hmm. love that story and it's so powerful because I love metaphors but here's what I want to ask you what is the number Mm -hmm. one takeaway you want listeners to have gotten from this interview it's a really good question um number one interview uh or sorry number one takeaway from this interview would have to be that you do have the power to change your life at any given point right that we all have these, these paths that we're on, but if we see another path that we're like, Hey, that's actually the direction my life feels like it should go. Right. That path is actually attractive to me, but maybe there's some rocks or, you know, there's some big boulders in front of it. And it looks like I can't get around that to get on the path that no, you can move those boulders. You can move those rocks and start to get on that path. And once you're on the path, it's easy, but to start to transition onto a new path from the one you're on, yeah, it's hard. And sometimes we lose a map and all of that, but it's like, you can change your life at any given point. Just like when I was 17 and I was like, I wanted, I want a new life because this one isn't working. It's not fulfilling me. And I literally had to get and break down the identity of who I thought I was into someone else. Um, and we're going to be doing that all our entire lives, but we usually wait until it breaks. We can choose to actually take that new step before it breaks. So that's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So I have a couple rapid fire questions I'd like to ask you to wrap up this interview. And the first one mm-hmm. is what is a quote or motto that you live by? Um, <laughs> well, I have two, I have two. So quote is actually, I have right behind me, this blue, uh, like tapestry thing. There's one right in front of me. And then I also have another one over here. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Gandhi. Right. Um, I am ever since I saw that quote, I was like that, that's it. We literally have to become the change. And again, 
being is identity for me, right? When we are becoming a new person, we're creating a new identity. So I think that for us to actually change the world is literally we have, the only way we can do it is becoming a new person that actually is living in a way that's in harmony with the world and with other people and with ourselves. So, um, so I'm big on that as like being the change or the dream that we have for the world, be that right now, right? Again, take that power that we have, make that decision and become that right now. Don't wait. Uh, and the second one is one that I kind of made up through my life and things that I've done and things I've seen, um, is that act as if anything is possible and it will be right. That's on the bottom of my emails. You probably saw that's something that I teach the kids. It's like, if you want, again, if you want change to happen, we literally have to act as if it's, if, if it's already possible because that gives us confidence. Right. And a lot of people live through life with no confidence as if everything's not going to work. Right. I'm going to try. That's what people say. I'll try it. Well, there's no confidence behind that. They're already kind of like giving themselves an out. Well, no, I'm going to go do it. It's a different thing. I'm going to go do it. Right. And we have a lot more power behind those words of, I'm just going to go do it. Right. Acting as if it's possible. And then once we do that, it will be possible. That's when everything opens up to us is when we are like, yeah, of course it's possible for sure. And I'm going to do it. That's when everything opens. Well, and I love the mindset behind that because that's how you manifest things. If you act as if it's already here, already done, then it must. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, you get it. (laughs) Next question for you. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? Um, Actually, my little stand is on two books right now. Um, So the first one is Why We Love um, by Helen Fisher. Um, nature and chemistry of romantic love. I think it's fascinating because again, relationships and love, it's going to be everywhere. I'm passionate about that. And then another one underneath is, um, the happy pocket full of money. Um, and can't actually pronounce his last name, but, um, really, really good, really, really good book about finances. Um, and just again, manifesting money, abundance, all of that. Um, and a third one I'm doing a book club with right now is claim your power by Mastin Kip. Um, and it's funny because when people hear it, they're like, yeah, I like that. They're like, huh, that sounds like something I should maybe read or look into. So we have a book club with that. Um, so Mastin Kip is a transformational coach and it's just insanely, insanely good. It's a 40 day process. You have uh, one chapter every single day and it's, it's really, really good. on just getting you to think differently. I'm a little familiar with Mastin, but, uh, the reason I love asking that question mm-hmm. I love reading. I'm always, I'm actually, I'm halfway through the 5am club, which if you haven't read it, I, holy crap. It's like the alchemist on steroids. I cannot, (laughs) I freaking, this book is phenomenal. So anyway, I just, I I love expanding my home library. Yep. I got a library right here too. Yeah. Yeah. I love, love books, but yeah, there's, there's a few of them that always stand out to you where it's like, you always tell people like, Hey, you should read this book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, claim your powers for sure. One of those. Okay. Final question for you. What advice would you give your younger self? Mm, uh, what age? It's open. Whenever you open. want. It could be yesterday. It could be last year. It could be when you were a kid. Mm, I feel like I should go back to that like, 16, 17-year-old kid. Um, I would say trust the process. Trust the process, right? Yeah. Because... Because at that point, I didn't trust anything or myself. I didn't have confidence in myself. And that's where I started to develop that confidence through all that pain was 
I can make it through, you know? And I think that with confidence, confidence is trust in yourself. And that's where I kind of stand behind. It's like, at this point, all the stuff I've gone through, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like emotionally stable to a point where I can know that everything will be fine. Cause I will figure it out. I trust the process, even though it looks messy, I'm going to make it to the other end and it's going to be good. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah. So I love it. That's yeah. a great note to end on. Adam, thank you so much for joining me for today. Thank you, Heather. Thanks for having me on. It was, it was a blast. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. To connect with me further, you can find me on Facebook, Heather Hakes. I am also on Instagram as heather.hakes. And I even have a YouTube channel. Guess what? Heather Hakes. I'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs>